Here's an excerpt from a recent Investing Experts conversation. Welcome back to Investing Experts. I'm your host for today, Rena Sherbel. Super excited to have Don Durrett on the show. Don just launched an investing group on Seeking Alpha called Gold and Silver Mining Ideas. Any articles discussed today, you can find links to them on our show notes. And all episodes have transcripts available on Seeking Alpha. I'll start off with Montage Gold. So was, the management team came from Redback Mining. Beautiful management team. One of the best in the business in the junior space. I really like these guys. Um, they have 5 million ounces of gold. Last year, they gold was at 1650 last year, Beaver Creek, and it basically couldn't get the bankers to loan them the money to, to get the finance or the CapEx. I go to the Beaver Creek and they tell me, yeah, we got it, Don. We're going to build this mine. And I was like so excited. The market cap is $70 million. It's a 5 million ounce project. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna mine 300,000 ounces a year with an ASIC of $1,000. It's just a total slam dunk. I don't see how this thing doesn't work. That's one example. That's what I mean by easy. Another one would be Heliostar down in Mexico. They stole, basically, they didn't steal it, but Argonaut wanted to get rid of their Mexico properties. So Heliostar, they got a hold of their Anapala mine down in Mexico, which is a beautiful mine that was discovered by New Strike. And everybody was excited about this discovery that New Strike made. Then New Strike drilled it out. Then New Strike sold it to Timmins. Timmins drilled it added to it. And then they got into trouble and they couldn't advance its production and they sold it to Argonaut. Then Argonaut, they drilled a little bit and they actually, there was actually put in a decline. It was kind of an advanced project. And then Argonaut ran into some problems and they never advanced it. So you had three companies who were advancing this project. It was, it was a good project, Anna Paul. And then Argonaut decides to sell it. They gave it to Heliostar. Heliostar didn't pay very much for it. Now Heliostar is drilling it and they're shocked at how good the drill holes are. It's uh, basically, it's another one. It's, it's like the montage story. It's kind of a slam dunk. I mean, it's economic at current prices. I don't really see gold going down here. That's that's another beautiful one, and which I consider easy, if you will. Um, and the next one um, would be West Red Lake Gold. West Red Lake Gold is another story. It's another similar story to Montage and Hillstar, where they basically waiting um well they acquired the madsen mine from pure gold and pure gold kind of messed it up they had a really nice mine they built this beautiful mills brand new and they only i think they only had production for like six months and they just ran out of money and they just went from you know ramp up to, to bankruptcy in like six months it was an unbelievable story and then uh West Red Lake Gold acquired that for, I think they paid like $6 million. Plus they gave the bankruptcy, the guy, the uh, Sprott, who, who basically owned the loan, they gave them 22% of their company. And now they're going to drill for 18 months and restart the Madsen mine, but but it gets better. So the Madsen mine has a lot of exploration potential on it. So you basically, they got all that for basically free. We don't know how many ounces they're going to find on that mine. And on top of that, they owned, Russ Red Lake owned a, um, a deposit called Rowan that's like not that far away. And they're going to truck the ore from Rowan over to Madsen. And Rowan just had a drill hole of eight meters at 70 grams per ton, which is a gram meter hole of 560 and it was already an 800,000 ounce deposit. So that one drill hole probably doubles Rowan. So you got 1 million plus of, of ore at Rowan that they can just truck over to the Madsen mill. So those three, that's just three 
fantastic example of what I call easy. What are your thoughts on the ETFs for investors? Yeah, I think ETFs, I, you know, I wrote a book, How, How to Invest in Gold and Silver. It's got really good rate, rate ratings, updated it nine times. Nobody else had written one. It's the only book that teaches you how to invest in gold, gold and silver. And so I talk, I have a chapter on ETFs. ETFs make a lot of sense for people who don't know how to analyze mining stocks. Now, that's number one. Number two, they make a lot of sense for people who don't want to own, say, 25 stocks. If you don't want to own 25 stocks, then it makes much more sense to own like four ETFs. You have GDX, you got GDXJ, you got SIL, and you got SILJ. And then and there's a couple others in there too. Now, there's probably three or four additional ones. Sprott has one. There's, a, there, there's another one I, in, in England, I think. And so you have like, you know, six, seven, eight of these ETFs you could choose from. And um, you can just buy, you know, you can just buy all these ETFs. So the one thing about ETFs, they're not super pricey. They're like a half a percent a year in expenses, which is nothing. So I actually own four ETFs. I think they work great for hedging. So ETFs make a lot of sense. But if you want to make big alpha, ETFs aren't going to work. But as far as I'm concerned, it's pointless to own 10 or 20 mining stocks because that's not enough for diversification. You're, you're actually exposing yourself to too much risk. You're, you're allocating too much. I actually think you should have at least 30 in order to do proper allocation, proper risk management. If you're going to do 10, 15, 20 stocks, you have to be a trader. And in order to be a trader, you got to be kind of a special individual. It's not easy to trade stocks. If you're going to be a trader, you have to get up every single morning and be ready to, to trade a stock. If you're not ready to trade a stock on a daily basis, especially in volatile miners, you shouldn't be trading miners. It, it takes a special personality and, and it, it doesn't fit me. But if you can trade, you're going to make much more money than me. The, 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 the traders are always going to make the most money, the good traders. I mean, we've seen guys take 10,000 and move it to a million because of their good traders. I don't have that personal mentality. I, I, I will mention my two favorite names because these two names just make no sense. The first one is a Venus Silver. So Venus Silver is trading about 50 cents U.S., which is just unbelievable. And market cap, they have 350 million ounces of silver equivalent after they acquired the La Precocia um, from Coor, and it's near their mill. And all they have to do is basically permit this thing. They don't have to spend very much on CapEx. They're going to build a decline. And then from the decline, they're going to do three. They already know it's been drilled out. They already know where the silver is. They're going to do three different uh, areas in the in the from the one decline, so it's not going to cost a lot. And they're going to do 500 tons a day per day, so they're basically going to ramp up in three phases, keep adding 500 tons a day. Um, and it's, it's basically a slam dunk once that you know they're going to get their permits, but we have to wait probably 18 months before they go into production. But Prince is a 50-bagger. I mean, this thing is just unbelievably cheap. It's the cheapest producer out there. Um, I don't see how you don't make a boatload of money if silver goes to $50 silver because they have they just have so much silver. Like I said, 350 million ounces of silver equivalent. And they're only producing, I'm not sure exactly how much, uh, I think maybe 3 million ounces a year, but they're going to ramp that up to 7 million. If you do the free cash flow, it's just it's 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 fairly stunning. If if once they get to you know five million, six million, seven million ounces, but with that much silver, they're eventually going to get to seven, um, and seven million ounces. That's where they print as a fifty bagger. That one is just 
insanely cheap. I, that's the, s- the cheapest um, producer out there that I'm aware of. Um, back in 2009, you know, there were no 50 baggers like this on the on the table. You know, when you get these big corrections, um, so vino is just insanely cheap. The other one that's insanely cheap is Hummingbird. Nobody wants to own this stock. They just they're ramping up their second mine. They're gonna next year they're gonna be a 200,000 ounce producer generating a lot of free cash flow and they're valued under a hundred million dollars. Um, I, I, I've been waiting for their board just to throw in the towel and say, look, nobody's going to buy our stock. Um, let's just give it to somebody else <laughs> because it's just, it's just, it's a, it's basically a 25 bagger. It's, I mean, I mean this is value. If you value companies the way that I do, if you, if you have a 200,000 ounce producer with really solid margins, let's say, you know, they're all in is $1,500. So that's basically a $1,500 at $3,000 goal, $1,500 per ounce, 1,500 times um, uh, $200,000 is three, I think it's $300 million. So if you just give it a five multiple, that's $1.5 billion. So that's with a five multiple. So if we get a 10 multiple, it's 3 billion. So... I, I, you know, and they're valued under a hundred million. So if, if gold goes to 3000, the leverage on hummingbird is just insane. But usually when you see now Avino, I don't think Avino will get taken out. I, I don't think that company, they've been around for a long time. I don't, I, I think they're going to stick around. I'll be, I'll be very disappointed if they sell because they know what they have, but hummingbird, I, I think hummingbird will probably get taken out. It's just when you, it's, companies are just, you know, they just never perform like this. But I fit my finger crossed they don't. But it one thing about Hummingbird that kind of blows my mind is they don't support the North American market. They're on the London London Exchange and they trade in the pinks in the US and they're a mid-tier producer and they don't trade in Canada. And I've told them, come on, man, you gotta you you need to trade either QB or QX. I'm gonna send them an email today. I'm gonna send them a link. This. I'm going to send a link to this and say, listen to the, listen to my this podcast. What I said about you guys about how cheap you are and how you're going to throw in the towel and your board's going to throw in the towel because you know. And come on, support the North American market. This is ridiculous. To just to, to go to be QX on the OTC is hardly any money at all. All you have to do is send in your financials to the SEC. It's 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 ridiculous that they don't support it. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app, and we'll see you soon with a new episode.